JMJ Pilgrims Corporation is leading a pilgrimage to Magigoria this fall, and there's still room for you. Come with us. We'd love to show you this holy and peaceful place. Renew your love for Jesus and his mother Mary. Our pilgrimage dates are September 26th through October 5th, 2019. For more information, visit our website, jmjpilgrims.com, or call Bob at 847-778-8023. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. This is Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Good afternoon. As the introduction said, this is Healing the Whole Person. My name is Susie McGinn, and I will be your host today for this show. And we have our illustrious guests, who I know many of you are familiar with, uh, the, the tried and true Father J. Michael Sparrow, S.J. He is a retreat director, a storyteller, an itinerant preacher, and a spiritual director at the Bellarmine Jesuit Retreat House in Barrington. He holds an MFA from the Yale School of Drama and a Doctor of Ministry from St. Mary of the Lake in Mundelein, Illinois. Father Michael is a prolific writer and speaker. He has published extensively on prayer. His latest co-authored book is What's Your Decision? An Ignatian Approach to Decision-Making, and it's published by Loyola Press. Each week, he sends out a weekly video homily that can be seen online at h2h, that's h-t-o-h dot u-s, h2h dot u-s. So yesterday, uh, we had this wonderful gospel, and I had the privilege of being at Mass when Father Michael preached, and pretty much the subject we're going to discuss today is what he discussed in his homily yesterday so eloquently, and we're calling this show Healing Hypocrisy. I think you will find it very enlightening and encouraging and interesting. And so I bring to you Father Michael Sparrow, who we're going to ask to put on his special hat today of spiritual director. <laughs> Thank you, Susie. Yes. That gospel that we heard yesterday is one of those tough gospels. It's from Matthew chapter 23, verses 27 through 32. Again, if you wanted to look that up, Matthew 23, verses 27 through 32. It's not one of the warm, fuzzy Gospels. This is not Jesus saying, Come to me, all you who are burdened, and I will 
comfort you. This is Jesus saying, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and every kind of filth. Even so, on the outside you appear righteous, but inside you are filled with hypocrisy and evil doing. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the memorials of the righteous, and you say, Oh, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, oh, we would not have joined them in shedding the prophets' blood. <laughs> Thus you bear witness against yourselves that you are the children of those who murdered the prophets. Now fill up what your ancestors measured out. That was yesterday's gospel. Jesus lambasting these teachers of the law. The scribes and the Pharisees were the religious elite. They were the most educated in the society. And because they were in that privileged position, they interpreted the laws in a way that favored them. For the most part, they lived in the, in the cities, and, and there was this discrepancy between the city dwellers and those who were in the outlying areas. And they made laws. When you're living in the city, it's very different than living out in the country. And they, lived, they, they made these laws, or they interpreted the laws, to be more precise, in their favor. And they gained, gained economically. The scribes and Pharisees were not poor. Jesus points out the discrepancy between what they practiced and what they preached. The scribes and Pharisees were always looking down at their noise, at, <laughs> down their noses, at the hoi polloi, the sinners, as as they called them. But they were blind. They were. Jesus calls them blind guides. They look good on the outside, but inside, their hearts were not aligned with the Lord. As Susie and I were talking after Mass yesterday, how fundamentally, how do we heal this hypocrisy except by acknowledging our own sin and allowing God's deep love to enter into our heart, to have a personal experience of how much Jesus loves us. When we don't know that we're loved, then we build this false image, this false self. We have to become more perfect. We have to appear others to be better than in fact we are. But if we know that we're loved just as we are, that allows us <laughs> to pull down the mask. And in fact, the word hypocrisy comes from a Greek word meaning mask and the actors in ancient Greece would put on these masks and it would allow them to protect their voices because they didn't have any modern microphones or amplification but they spoke through the mask and it helped to amplify their voice and they could change characters instantaneously by putting on a different mask hence the term hypocrisy putting on a different face now here's the really interesting thing Jesus wasn't just addressing one individual Pharisee or one individual scribe. He was speaking to them collectively because this wasn't just individual sin. This was corporate sin. This was social sin. The great 
late St. John Paul II talked about personal sin, which is what we're most familiar with, but he also talked about social sin, which is what we participate in as a society, as a church, as a corporation. It's part of a system that we become used to, and because we grow up with it or we're socialized into it or we're acculturated into it, it just becomes normal business, and so we, we don't think anything about it. Would you call that like a cultural blindness, Father? Exactly. That's yeah. exactly what it is, Susie. It's a, it's a cultural blindness. I was thinking about the, meditating on this a little bit earlier today, and I realized that it's all of us. Every single person has a measure of cultural blindness. We're all, and I think, you know, this is something we need to maybe go into a little bit today. And so our, we and our dear listeners uh, could get a little uh, better grasp on this. But I, I think it's, uh, it's just something that pervades us and our personalities, our characters, our thinking, our way of acting, our way of responding to things that are just second nature to us, but they're wrong. Yes. And uh, but they and they are affected by this blindness. So um, let's talk about that a little bit, Father. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So an example that isn't uh, necessarily a sin, but I, I think it it illustrates it so easily is if you grow up in a household of smokers mm -hmm. and everybody in the family is smoking, you don't notice that. But when you step outside the family of, of, of smokers and then you come back into that environment, suddenly you're aware of the smoke. <laughs> when you're inside the house with the smoke and everybody's smoking, you don't notice it. But then when you step out and you come back in, it's like, <laughs> oh my goodness. Right. So it is. There are these cultural biases, and every culture has its own bias. Right. But uh, it's so often, in terms of stepping outside the culture, that we can begin to critique our own culture. And this is what St. John Paul was, was talking about, that there's a culture of life and there's a culture of death. And we, be, we need to be able to step back and see what are the aspects of our country as Americans, our church as Catholics, our state as people in Illinois or the city of, of, of Chicago, or our race. All, all of those things are things that we're acculturated into, and unless we step outside of them, we're not, we're not going to be able to see it. And the key, the key to be able to looking at our weakness and being able to acknowledge it and repent is this deep experience of being loved. If we don't know that we're loved, then we become defensive and we have to build up this armor and we have to keep the masks on. But ironically, it's that experience of being loved that changes us. And the experience that just says it to me so profoundly was St. Matthew was a tax collector and the tax collectors were hated by the Jews because they were colluding with, with, with the Romans and they were skimming money off the top and they were notoriously corrupt. But Jesus didn't call Matthew initially. He said, repent, and then he, di he didn't say, repent, and then I'll be your friend. He didn't say, make everything right and then I'll come to your home. Jesus said, I love you. I'm going to come to your house. 
And that experience of Jesus coming to his house and being loved by Jesus is what led Matthew to say, I want to change my life. I'm going I'm to walk away from this corrupt life. The same thing with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus said, Jesus looked up at Zacchaeus, another tax collector. He said, come down to that tree. I'm, I want to have dinner with you tonight. And Zacchaeus's heart was so moved that he said, I'm going to I'm going to pay back two times, three times, four times, whatever, anybody that I defrauded. I'm going to make it right. It's really like a metaphor for what it means to come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Exactly. You know, we're told at um, Revelation Revelation 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, that means us opening the door, I will come in and I will sup with him yes and that's exactly what he did with Zacchaeus that's exactly I, correct exactly yeah. right yeah and with Matthew yes, yes. and with Matthew yes yeah. right and that and that he do, he wants to do with each of us exactly yeah. as we were discussing this yesterday it, it uh, I recalled an incident of the great Protestant evangelist Billy Graham and when I was at college uh, Billy Graham came and he addressed the, the student body there and he said there have been three great conversions in my life and he said the first one was when I opened the door of my heart to Jesus as my Lord and Savior and gave my life into his hands he said that was the first and the most profound conversion and of course that's when we think of Billy Graham that's what we think of these massive rallies and uh, calling people to a personal relationship with Christ but then he said later there was a second conversion and he said I began to see the sin of racism that was so much a part of American culture I thought that was really very interesting that his experience of being loved by Jesus allowed him to be able to look at American culture and to see a sin that is just so much a part of our fabric. You know, the New York Times did a, uh, a series because this year is the 400th anniversary of the first slaves being brought to the United States. Yeah. In the year 1619, between we're not sure exactly how many, between 20 and 30 were in that initial uh, group that were captured and brought across the ocean, <laughs> the first of 21.5 million 25.5 million Africans who would be kidnapped from their homes and brought in chains across the Atlantic Ocean in the largest forced migration in human history into How the second world. How did they ever do that? Incredible. Oh, it is. And two million of them never survived that grueling journey. 400,000 of them came to the United States. The others were dispersed throughout other uh, parts of, of the Americas. We were commemorating for this 400th anniversary. Now that was just a few years before the pilgrims gathered at Plymouth Rock to celebrate the first Thanksgiving. Before they ever celebrated Thanksgiving, uh, they were bringing slaves over here. Billy Graham said, my eyes were opened to how deeply entrenched this racism is within our country. But the point there 
was I don't think his eyes because because as a southerner, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I remember talking to my to my grandma about this, and she was b- born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> And my grandma saw nothing wrong with the separation of the races and separate but equal. And said, Michael, if God wanted them to mix, he, he would have made us all the same. You For know, her, and, that was normal. That was normal. normal. And that's the point. Yes. She saw nothing wrong, wrong with it. Right. But when Billy Graham had that profound experience of Jesus's love for him, it began to say, well, wait a minute. Jesus doesn't just love me. Jesus loves everyone. And what are the cultural barriers that we've grown used to that put these barriers up between us and other, other people? Then he went on and he said, then I had a third conversion. And this is what he was talking to us. He said, I began to see that nuclear weapons are inherently wrong, <laughs> that we cannot defend ourselves with nuclear weapons in a mutually assured mass destruction. And, and I think this image just says it so well. Can you imagine Jesus pushing the button on a nuclear weapon and wiping out a hundred thousand, a million people and saying, well, it's tough, you know, but you got to make some tough choices to be able to defend yourself. Mm, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we can't imagine that. Absolutely not. No, it's ridiculous. Um, well, I, I, I really respected um, Billy Graham and his, his ministry. Of course, Catholicism is the root for me, <laughs> and um, but but a beautiful thing happened in my life. I think that that brought me and helped me with this that spiritual blindness to things like racism and um, so many things in our culture. But I was raised in a very a disciplined home and a very devout Catholic home uh, in every way. We did everything the way you're supposed to do it. I had 12, 16 years of Catholic education. And, uh, you know, I was a very obedient girl. I did everything the church told us to do. And so I was obedient out of fear. Fear, not fear of the Lord in a reverential way, but fear of consequences. And uh, my parents made some wonderful choices for me. And I followed those choices. But then it was somebody kind of like Billy Graham, uh, a spiritual mentor to me, who showed me there was another choice that I had to make, that God has no grandchildren, that we don't inherit our faith. We are first-generation sons and daughters of the king, and that Mm -hmm. we need to make that decision just like he made it. Someone came to him and showed him the love and the power and the magnificent of knowing Jesus as your personal Savior. And when I was confronted with that, I was offended at first that to think that I might not be a Christian. But then she pointed out something really important to me. She says, Christianity is not a religion it's a relationship it's not religion what is what we do to serve our almighty loving god but christianity is what he did out of love for us through his son and when it then i made a choice on my own to make him the lord of my life 
make him make me the kind of person he wanted me to be rather than the kind of person my parents or somebody else wanted me to be and so then I became dependent on him not near the way I should be of course I'm frail and a sinner like all of us but that was that was that that moment and then as we were talking yesterday father I said that's where the spiritual blindness and the scales come off of our eyes and then we can see some of the cultural errors that we live with you know just and the smoke in the room or whatever it is that we think is normal until we get away from it yes and the racism and yeah and yesterday yesterday and yesterday and today we celebrated the feast of two great saints yesterday Mm -hmm. the feast of saint augustine yes today the commemoration of the martyrdom of john the baptist remarkable but in very different ways as a young man saint augustine who was a brilliant mind and and he was a teacher and he was a manichae had had drifted away from the faith manichae they saw a dualistic relationship between spirit is good and body is bad okay so a, a split which which is not biblical, which is not uh, our biblical okay. tradition. It's it's not our Catholic tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and Augustine, as a young man, prayed, "Lord, make me chaste." He was living with his girlfriend. He had they had uh, he had fostered an illegitimate child, um, and so he knew that somehow there was a discrepancy there. And so his prayer as a young man was, "Lord, make me chaste." But not yet, because the way that he was living was too pleasurable. As an old man, he would look back and he would regret those early choices, those hypocritical choices where he refused to look at himself for what he was, and he would pray, Oh Lord, how late have I loved you, mm. O oh beauty ever ancient, ever new. Why did I waste all of this time running away from you? See, that's the difference between the, the, the young man and the old man. The young man refused to look at the truth of his life. The old man looked back and I said, Oh, I wished I would have made better choices. Mm. Right, yeah. John the Baptist, when we invite this relationship into Jesus, it changes our lives profoundly. And John the truth was able to, John the Baptist was able to speak truth to power. It gives us the courage to be able to say, I'm not afraid of what you think of me. I'm not afraid of what you're going to do to me. You can throw me in prison. You can chop my head off. You can do whatever you want because I know I'm deeply loved. And I believe what my Lord has said, that the truth will set me free. Herod, who threw John and ultimately was compromised, was influenced by the guests at his table. He was influenced by the salacious dance of, of Salome. He was influenced by, by the alcohol, but mostly was caught by his own ego. <laughs> See, when, when we don't surrender our lives to the Lord, then we get caught and then we commit even greater sins. And we're going to surrender to that beautiful music for a few minutes. Please stay with us for this very exciting, I think, um, soul-reaching discussion. And we look forward to seeing you and having you hear us in the next few minutes. Thank you.
JMJ Pilgrims Corporation is leading a pilgrimage to Magigoria this fall, and there's still room for you. Come with us. We'd love to show you this holy and peaceful place. Renew your love for Jesus and his mother Mary. Our pilgrimage dates are September 26th through October 5th, 2019. For more information, visit our website, jmjpilgrims.com, or call Bob at 847-778-8023. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. This is Healing the Whole Person on WSFI. 88.5 88.5 FM, Catholic Radio. And welcome back to the second half of Healing the Whole Person. Again, my name is Susie McGinn, and our guest today is uh, someone I think most of you are familiar with, Father Michael Sparrow um, from the Jesuit Retreat House in Barrington. And uh, our subject today is healing hypocrisy. And I think it's, it's just something that relates to every single one of us, it, whether we like to admit it or not. But I think uh, there's just a lot of, of healing uh, that we can uh, receive as we meditate on some of the thoughts that Father is bringing forth, uh, forth uh, for us. And the, uh, some of the history lessons as well as uh, the scripture. So Father, uh, shall we uh, go on? And, and also, I want to introduce to you, uh, before I go on, uh, our guests here in the studio. We have Ann Oakley and Rosemary Simon, Hello. as well as Father and myself. And so, I, and we have David at the controls, so we're, we're in good hands today. So, uh, Father, we were uh, just having this this wonderful discussion about how the saints, mainly St. Augustine, who we uh, commemorated yesterday, and the passion of St. John the Baptist today, and how they came to that, uh, that personal loving relationship with Jesus Christ that transformed their lives, and how they transformed millions upon millions, countless people because of it. And John the Baptist in particular, um, as the cousin of Jesus, as the prophet who pointed the way to Jesus, uh, is an extraordinary example. He's one of those few saints in the church that gets a double feast day. We remember his birthday and we remember his birth into eternal life. Right. Uh, such a significant figure in the history of the, of the faith. And ultimately, John could not be intimidated. And this fits in so nicely with what we're talking about, that when we're grounded and we have this deep knowledge of who we are as children of God, as deeply loved by God, it gives us an interior freedom not to be so dependent upon our culture or not afraid of being able to admit our mistakes and, uh, and our own sins individually 
and corp corporately. So um, right now in the midst of the Catholic Church, we're de dealing with the scourge of this, of this clergy sex abuse crisis. As Catholics, I think we need to be humble enough as priests and our bishops and our Holy Father need to be humble enough to say, yes, we've hurt a lot of people. Does that mean that the Catholic Church shouldn't exist? No, of course not. Of course not. Uh, but it begins by a call to repentance uh, in this area. The, our own Jesuit order is dealing with its own repentance in the area of racism of what's been in the news the last few years at Georgetown University, the most famous of the Jesuit schools, one of the most prestigious school, schools in the country, located in Washington, D.C. The Jesuits there owned slaves, and to uh, secure financial independ independ underpinnings at the early days of the university, they sold the slaves and gave the money to the university. Now, they thought they were doing the right thing. We look on, back on it now and we say, what a terrible way to, to found a great university by selling people into selling slaves to other, other owners. What's come out recently is St. Louis University. The Jesuits there had, had slaves. So th those are facts we can't run away from. We, we can't hide from. We need to acknowledge and repent. And just as we've talked in previous programs about healing the family tree, and when there are, there are sins that are passed down from generation to generation, we're in this, we need to repent individually, but we need to come together as a people and to repent of our sins as well. We're called not just into an individual relationship with Jesus, but we're called into church. That's the biblical perspective. God doesn't just call us as individuals. He calls us one by one, but he calls us together. And he calls us together to worship him, and he calls us together to repent. In the, would you call that the mystical body of Christ, that gathering? The, the, yes, part of the mystical body of Christ. On, there's the mystical body of Christ on earth, uh, and there's the mystical body of Christ in heaven. There's the suffering body, mystical body of Christ in purgatory. So the church triumphant in heaven, the church uh, in purgatory, uh, the church suffering, suffering, and the church militant church. He here mm -hmm. on earth. Yeah. Yeah. And so we've, uh, I think this is a, um, you know, the, I love I loved that whole concept of the, of the three, you know, the, the, the purgatory, the heaven, and, and on earth. And uh, I just wonder if when we were talking just a few minutes ago, what, Father, you're talking about um, how important it is to know that God loves you. You know, that's easy to say. Those are easy words to say or say that God is love. But there may be people listening to us and even in our own hearts how do we know that he loves us what what are the signs what should we look for what kind of things uh, are happening in some of the worst suffering even uh, that people are enduring right now how do they know and if they're wondering does God love me does he know what's going on in my life does he care what would you say to them Yes. Yeah. So I would say, look at the cross of Jesus. 
which is the greatest sign of his love. Jesus said, there is no greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for my friends. You are my friends. Mm -hmm. um, it's important to ask for that gift. <laughs> Lord, come into my heart. Lord, let me know that I am loved by you. We mm -hmm. have to ask for that gift. Right, yes. Let me jump in and just say, I think we need to be grateful daily for the gifts we receive each day. Absolutely. Just to pick up Recognize on. that. Mm -hmm. It makes and, a difference. And that act of gratitude is a discipline because yes. it's what for most of us comes naturally is to see what's wrong mm -hmm. in a situation rather than what's right in a situation. But I'm sure we've all had this experience that, you know, how are you doing today? Well, it's kind of tough. You know, I'm struggling at work and uh, I got a little cold. And then something catastrophic happens. A loved one it, uh, dies or you, you get a serious illness. And then, and then you say, oh, I had it so good before. Yeah. Except when it was so good before, you never said you had it so good, good before. You were complaining about this and that. It's like the Israelites wandering in the desert. They're complaining about the food. Uh, the, yeah. This manna, you get yeah. tired of the manna, yeah. all these quails, you know, and you get tired <laughs> of these eating birds and the water, you know, yeah. this isn't any good. And then the snakes come and the snakes bite them and they say, oh, it was so good before before those snakes came to take the snakes take away, them away. Take, take, take them away. <laughs> <laughs> but in every day the Lord is blessing us. But as Rose, right. Rosemary made that point, we need to practice gratitude. And when we are thankful for what we are given, then our heart grows in gratitude. Mm -hmm. I, I had that experience when I was uh, working with the Missionaries of Charity in Nepal, and I worked in a home for the dying. And here are these people who had absolutely nothing, and they are, they're there because they're dying. And they were so grateful for the simplest thing, for a cup of water. One of my jobs was to cut their toenails. You know, they, they would think I was giving them a million dollars, and all I did oh. was cut their toenails. And it was like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Or I'd bring them a little bowl of, of porridge, and it was like I had invited them to a five-star uh, restaurant, you know, that it so often those who have the least are the most grateful. Right. Those who have the most, it's like, well, you know, why, why can't I get a little more? I I have um, a couple friends. Joe and I have had my hus late husband and I uh, who live out east. They are a beautiful, beautiful couple who have nothing they what little they've had has gotten taken away from them for one reason or another but they always are cheerful whenever i talk i haven't seen them in over 40 years but every time i speak with them father they've got this attitude of giving and what little they get they give away they want to share it and and um they're just i always say when i die and hopefully get to those pearly gates um they're going to be standing there welcoming everybody in yes. because they, what 
uh, God has asked of them and how they've responded. Yes. They have nothing. Even even physically, uh, you know, they, they don't have what many people have. And uh, so they have, they have so many reasons to be discouraged and not feel that God is with them, but they do, no matter what, they rise above. It's such a lesson to me. After I get off the phone, each time I speak with them, I'm so edified, <laughs> but it's their gratitude, like you said, Rosemary. That it's that constant thankfulness. Yes. That we're called, scripture tells us to be thankful in all things, and we must be obedient to that. You know? That's right. Yeah. And as a as a culture uh, in America right now, <laughs> we are very materialistic, and that's part of our cultural blindness. It's part of the American dream is that we would pull ourselves up ec economically. And yet when Mother Teresa came here, she warned us and she said, you know, as Americans, you're putting too much value on the material things. You are spiritually impoverished mm -hmm. and you don't see that. Pope John Paul came here. He said, the dangers of materialism in this society. Pope Benedict warning us of these dangers. Pope Francis warning us when he, when he came. It's part of our cultural it's part of our American DNA is if I can only get more, then I will be happy. <laughs> and these great prophetic spiritual leaders come and say, you're blind to that. You're not seeing that. What, the way that Jesus puts it is, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and what you need will be given to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. But we put it the other way. It, it's like, well, give me the house and the car and the great, great job and the clothes and everything else, and then, and, and then I'll be happy, and then, and then I can thank you for all these wonderful gifts, God. But it, it doesn't work that way. And that, that in itself, um, not being satisfied, is one of the proofs of the existence of God. It's one of the things I remember learning in in theology in high school is you know that was one of the things just never being satisfied because only he can fully satisfy us well that harkens a, back to what saint augustine whose feast day we celebrated yesterday said our hearts are restless and they will not rest until they rest in you oh lord that's right it's just that, that profound truth that you were pointing right. to yeah. susie god and that's the way that god has made us or some have said there's a God-sized hole in our heart. Yes. And, or the that way was that, Blaise Pascal, I think. <laughs> yes. Uh, and Matthew Kelly's variation on that, uh, the Catholic evangelist Matthew Kelly says, you can never get enough of what you don't truly need. <laughs> yeah. That's it. I think that Another, puts it pretty well. Because we keep trying to stuff all these other things inside to satisfy that deep longing that only God that only God can satisfy. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking earlier too um, on uh, uh, so when we were talking about some of the the cultural things and and what uh, uh, if we get back to you know day to day life. There's a lot of problems with addiction, as we know in our society. A lot of people just so dependent on um, even stuff. <laughs> there's a there's a veggie tale about 
called Stuff Mart, where they people just all they want to do is go to the big box store and buy and buy and buy. But there's also the the that that in itself is an addiction, shopping or alcoholism or drugs or whatever it is, laziness. There's so many ways we can be addicted. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was thinking about a beautiful thing in the AA ministry, Alcoholics Anonymous. They have a group. It's called Adult children of alcoholics and one of the things that they they realized in that group is that these uh, uh, children that came out of homes where alcoholism was dominant they had that's what they thought was normal that's because that's all they saw just like a a smoke-filled room or like you cited yesterday the living in gary indiana years ago when all the smoke was belching out of those uh, towers and they people were uh, living with that coal dust in their lungs all the time they didn't know any better but and same with these what but if you can separate yourself from that and realize that that is not normal this is where the goodness and the holiness is and that's what we do that's why we talk about the importance of first having that that relationship with christ to take us away from what isn't normal to it's normal it's normal to be a a, a devout christian that is that's normalcy. People might not agree with me, yeah. <laughs> but uh, for me, that's and, and, worth and, it. And what the 12-step program has done so well, the first step is recognizing that my life is out of control right now. I am living an insane life. This is not working for me. I've been trying to do this apart from God. I've been trying to do it on my own. I become dependent on alcohol or drugs or sex or gambling or buying or whatever it is. This other, these other things that I've been stuffing inside the God-sized hole is not working for me. That's the first step of the 12-step program. My life is out of control. And then those second and third steps are, but there's a power greater than myself that can restore me to, to serenity and to sanity in my life, and I want to surrender myself. We, as Catholic Christians, have come to understand that that higher power is a personal relationship with Jesus. That's what restores us. But it's, it's recognizing trying to do it on my own is not working individually and it's not working for us as a culture we need to turn turn the culture around so it's i was thinking of this example as you were talking when jesus taught us to pray remember the disciples come up and they said john the baptist taught his disciples to pray teach us every word in the lord every reference in the lord's prayer is plural it's not my father it's our father it's not even hmm. forgive me my sin (laughs) did you ever think of that it's forgive us our sin as we forgive those who trespass against us in other words jesus is calling us to this corporate awareness it's not just as individuals we need to work to work together to turn these things around Mm Absolutely. There's um, one of my favorite books um, is by a Father Paul Dieger. Uh, he was a, 
of Jesuit uh, in the early part of the last century. And um, I'm trying to think of the name of the book right now. It's out of print, unfortunately. But one of the parts of the book that he, uh, I, he stresses is that in the Our Father, he said, imagine yourself. When they asked Jesus what to pray, how to pray, he told them, but he, like he said, plural, Our Father. He says, picture yourself holding the hand of Jesus and then going before God the Father and then saying together with him, our Father mm. who art in heaven. So we're praying with him. I mean, what more could we ask than be actually praying the words, the exact words of the Son of God? What a, what a privilege. It's, and of course, that's why AA uses that prayer too. And not only AA, but um, many of the um, anonymous uh, ministries that uh, you know, addictive ministries use yes. it as well. Yeah, because it's it is like you say, Father. It's so powerful, and and it's a corporate prayer. Yeah, it's uh, it calls us in the in into the the kingdom together. Absolutely, yes. absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I, I think sometimes some of us think that we're going to be in heaven just with all the people who look like us, act like us, think like us, and all the people that we like. You know, those are, those are going to be the people in heaven. But all the people that we don't like, that we don't get along, who don't think like us, who don't vote like us, who don't look like us, who don't pray like us, you know, they're, they're not going to be, they're, or they're going to be behind the screen some, somehow, you know, that we're not going to be able to see them. And part of, part of this awareness is being able to see how, how immense God's love and mercy is. And when we begin to try and look at ourselves and the world through God's eyes, that calls us to repentance right. continuously. Yeah, I think we just, we need to pray for clarity in our minds as to where the, that blindness is in us as individuals and as a culture and help us that God would by his mercy show us just exactly where we fall short because we we think that our way of thinking or our we have our own way uh, we feel like it's we're doing the right thing but when we really get right down to it we have so many shortcomings and so many places where we fall short and so uh, I think God would love to show us that and and two the importance of the sacrament of reconciliation uh, there's uh, you know so many people have uh, uh, just not taken advantage of that right. marvelous, marvelous sacrament. Right. It's and uh, we also and, 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 and we want to engage in some intercessory prayer for others. Right, so we're not right. just not just for praying ourselves. for ourselves. And there are some people who have asked for our prayers today. Susie, would oh, you tell us uh, tell sure. us about those people? Okay. Um, the first one uh, writes us an email, and he said he'd like the healing priest, that would be Father Michael today, to include his intention um, regarding the fact that he got a girl pregnant and that he wants us to pray for him and for that girl and that baby as well. Also, we're paying, praying for the repose of the soul of um, Maria Frizzoli for Judge Thomas Shippers, who has cancer and is failing and is uh, close to uh, his death. And lastly, an anonymous prayer request for a stomach ail ailment, Father. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we lift up these intentions and we pray for those 
named and all those who are listening either on the radio or later on the podcast you know their needs your love and your mercy is infinite touch their hearts touch their bodies and their souls and let them know that they are not alone that they are deeply loved may their sins be forgiven may hope be restored to their life may your grace and mercy touch them in those areas where they most profoundly need your grace. May Almighty God bless us this day and every day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Until we gather again, God bless you. on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. For more information about this program or to purchase additional CD copies, please call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Or visit us online at wsfiradio.org. made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease.